welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is the show where I do uh, improvised horror stories. pull a title from a jar and then I make up the stories from there and if you have any titles to submit you can send them to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com or just contact me directly if you have those uh, means of communication anyway without further ado the spook vortex has been opened so let's see how the Spookiverse is uh, doing. <clears throat> Alright. Let me know if I'm saying this right. Uh, this first story is called Skull Shining's 25 Cents. Yeah? yeah. Alright. I like it. Last thing I remember. I was falling on the rails on that at that train station. I saw an upcoming train. Then all of a sudden a flash of white light. And then a deep dark abyss. And then nothingness. And sure I did wake up in the hospital. you know my bodily was injured I broke some bones but overall it was a pretty swift recovery by the uh, doctor's standards and then when I healed up I just went back to work and uh, had some good stories about it just uh, based on the impact and the uh, stay at the hospital itself and what it's like to have that near-death experience And I never really felt quite alive after that. In fact, I, if I didn't know any better, I'd say I died when that train hit me, and that I was in hell. People will say, "Oh, Joe, you know why? You know why do you think you're in hell?" And I was just like, "I don't know, man. Just like look around. Everything's kind of fucked, right?" Yeah, but that's just the way of things, you know? Especially in the past, you know, five to ten years. And I was just like, no, but especially, you know? 
kind of feel like I'm in the background of Full House. Like, I think something's creepy going on. I mean, have you seen these voter ballots? You know, half the candidates are, might as well be Nazis. Oh, Joe, you're just being ridiculous. I think getting hit by that train kind of went to your head. And I was just like, I don't know, man. I think I'm dead, and we're all in hell, and you're a part of it. I was looking around, everything was just kind of weird, you know? I mean, sure, it's a global pandemic, but everyone's pretending that things are normal when they're so not. I mean, people will talk about the presidency and uh, the new guy, Joe Biden, and I'm just all like, oh, I didn't even know we still had a president, you know? I didn't know people were still trying to pretend to be in charge of all this shit, you know? And yeah, sure, I still went to work and did my thing, and chillaxed when I got back, and then had some uh, safe outings during the weekends, but at that point I made it my mission to figure out if I was actually in hell or not. I'll look around for signs, you know. I'll see some sigils painted and drawn on different walls in the city. Seemed like a bunch of civilians were trying to do some sort of some kind of spell of some sort. Either something good or something bad, I don't know, but And I went to the train station and I was walking around. Same train station where I'm pretty sure that I died. Usually there'd be a shoe, uh, shoe shining statement, uh, shoe shining station there, and then a bunch of yuppie twats would arrive and get their shoes shined. Now still going on during the pandemic, except when I checked out that spot, uh, it didn't say uh, shoe shining; it said uh, skulls. who was operating the station was just kind of unassuming, you know, really just hanging out. He had a rag with him, he was dressed really nice, and it was an outdoor pavilion, so he just smoked a cigarette and enjoyed himself. Occasionally he would shout at people who looked like they had money, just like, hey, want to shine? Alright, think about it. walked up to him, and I was just like, uh, sir, and he was just like, yeah, and I was just like, you're a sign, it says, uh, Skull Shining's 25 cents, and he said, yes, that's, that's right, and I was just like, well, don't you mean shoes, and he was just like, uh, no, no, I mean, I'll, I'll shine the shit out of some skulls, and I was just like, well, does anyone ever come over and get their skulls shined? He was just like, yeah, uh, every day, usually on a, usually on lunch breaks or earlier in the morning uh, when people are going to work. But, uh, yeah, you know, some people need a good skull shining. I'll do standalone skulls, or if it's in your head, I'll shine it for you. And then as 
we're chatting, a woman comes up who's, uh, she's wearing a nice sundress, and she has a large purse with her, and she's like, oh, excuse me, I saw the, uh, sign, you have a skull shining? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, it's just 25 cents, I could do it real quick. You could also do some, uh, you know, any sort of specificity you need, I can do that too, you know? As long as it's not time-consuming, that's a different, uh, session, if that's the case. And she says, like, yeah, my skull's getting pretty old, I could really use a shining. So she opened her purse, and she pulled out a human skull. And I was just like, oh my god, is she carrying that around? Is that, is that legal? Did she grave rob someone? Is this the world that we're living in? So she handed it off, and she says, yeah, it's just been, for, it's been ages since I've had this thing. And I haven't gotten, I got a shine like maybe once, you know, when I was on vacation, but really use another one. And I was looking at it, and it looked like the, uh, their abrasions looked pretty dense, and, and the shiner looked at it, and he was just like, alright, yeah, I can, I can do this. So he just sat at a little desk, and, uh, took some cleaner and, uh, his washcloth, and then just started to scrub it and, uh, shine it. And he was just chatting with the woman, just like, oh, off to work? What are you doing? And she's just like, oh, no, I'm staying with my sisters for the weekend. You know, we're trying to have, like, a all-family barbecue, you know, a small affair. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And I'm just watching the surreal experience of this dude just shining a skull and just being all casual about it and the, the client chatting with him like it's nothing. chatting casually for maybe uh, five to seven seven minutes, you know, they talk about, uh, they talk about work, they talk about the next stimulus check, they talk about the state of things in a way that's real, and then he's just like, alright, it's all finished, she's like, oh, thank you so much, and she ends up a quarter, and then she goes off, takes the next train to wherever the fuck. I was just like, so you really shine skulls for 25 cents? And he's just like, yeah, I can help you out if you want. And I was just like, well, I don't have any skulls. You know, I'm not, a, not that kind of collector. And he says, well, I don't just do human skulls. I can do, like, animal skulls, uh, rodent skulls. Uh, even, if it's a, even if it's still in the scalp, I'll, I can shine it. I was like, what do you mean, still in the skull? And he said, well, you know, I mean, you said you don't have any skulls, but you have one skull that you're using. Uh, if you want, I could just, like, pop the hood on that and just, uh, give it a good shine, you know? Everyone needs a good skull shining, am I right? And I was just like, uh... I was hesitant at first. I didn't know what that process would entail. Would I even live through it? I said, well, how much is that going to cost? And the guy said, no, it's just going to be 25 cents. And I was mortified at first, but also intrigued. So I chewed on it for a bit, and I was just like, well, if I did die, then I really don't have anything else to lose. 
hell, I uh, might as well enjoy myself. So I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'll get a skull shining. Yeah, sign me up. So I pop in a little chair and uh, he takes his uh, justice workstation, uh, sets up the table uh, next to me. Puts a cloth over me like uh, I'm at a barbershop. And he said, uh, you know, this might take a while, you know, do you have time to kill? And I was just like, oh, I got nothing but time. I got nowhere to be right now. And I was just like, uh, do you have any anesthesia or anything? And he's just like, uh, nope. And I'm just like, oh, great. Just relax, I'll be, I'll be quick, you'll notice a big difference. So I feel a slight cut on my scalp. Just cutting around my head, and then... It stings a little bit, but it doesn't hurt as much as I'm expecting. All of a sudden, it feels really cold all around my head, all around the scalp, and I was just like, "Oh, it's happening! My scalp, my uh, my skull is exposed." And I could feel his uh, his cloth, you know, wipe up against it. He applies oil, and it makes it slippery. saying, oh, so you never heard your skull shine before? And I was just like, uh, uh, no. I say, well, my skull's exposed. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, I recommend it. You know, people are really into it, you know. It's really easy to impress people when you have a shiny skull, you know. And as he's shining my skull, another guy walks by, and he's just like, oh, you're a skull shiner? And he's just like, yeah, that's right. And he's just like, oh, shit, I didn't know those were still around. And I was just like, he was just like, yeah, man, you know, 25 cents. And the guy was just like, all right, I'll think about it, I'll think about it. And then he walks off to take his train. Meanwhile, I'm starting to get a little dizzy. My skull being exposed and all. It's causing a dense wave of fatigue. I start to feel blood trickle down from... Uh, Cuts were down the side of my face, onto my clothes. But mostly on the cloth, that's why uh, he applied it. And I can see dredge, blood dripping on the floor. Like the beginnings of a Jackson Pollock painting or something. my scalp back on the top of my head and he sews it back up which only takes a few minutes and then I get up and I'm just like oh is it over and he says like yeah yeah take a look he shows me a mirror and my scalp is uh, sewn back on I could see the seams and I could see the blood secrete from it Something about something else about me seems really different. 
quite put my finger on it. But something about me shined. I really glowed. cents. And then I patted myself down a bit. And I realized I didn't have any change. And I'm just like, oh shit man, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have any change on me. I don't have 25 cents. Stop by an ATM, you can make some change at a venue. I, I can do change, you know, got any cash on you? And I'm just like, no, it's a pandemic, man. No one really carries any cash. Um, all right, can I pay you later today? You know, is that cool? And he's just like, all right, later today. I'll be seeing you. And I'm just like, all right, I got, I'm going to be late for work. But thank you, thank you. So I leave and I hop on the train and I just, uh, see a cold look on his face as I ride away. But I'm looking at the window of myself on the train as it's moving through the city. And I'm looking at my scalp slop sloppily uh, sewn back onto my head. And I'm just like, oh damn, I look good. My hair's all messy and whatnot. I got blood all, all over my face and head. So I was up at work, and people were just like, Damn, Joe, you look really good. Did you get a new haircut? And I was just like, No, not quite. And they were just like, Well, you're really glowing, you know? Throughout that whole day, I was really strutting my stuff. People on the street really glanced at me for a little bit longer, checking me out to get some lunch and the person I bought the lunch from was just like oh damn you look good today and I was just like yeah I got my skull shining and ready but that whole day I was looking for a quarter scouting the ground uh, I collected some pennies uh, even a dime and a nickel but still find 25 cents to give the guy who gave my, sk my skull a good shining. So when I get off work, I arrive back at the train station. And I see the guy uh, giving a, a good shining to a coyote skull and the client's there watching. He's just like, oh, you're really good at this. And he's like, thank you, I've been at it for a long time. And I see him, and we make eye contact, and he's just like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm just like, hey, uh, listen, I don't, I don't have that 25 cents. Uh, I got, like, a, I got, like, 18 cents, um... Yeah, I'm gonna have to get that quarter back to you tomorrow. And he's just like, no, nah, you gotta get it to me today, you know? 
I don't wait longer than 24 hours uh, for payment, man. You know, the skull shining industry is pretty cutthroat, so gotta be punctual about my payments. And I was just like, alright, so what happens now? And he's just like, well, you know, if you don't give me a quarter, uh, I'm gonna need, gonna need my, uh, gonna need my work back. I'm gonna need my skull back. And I was just like, you mean my skull? Like no, no, I gotta. If you can't pay me for the uh, skull shining, I'm, I take I'm taking the skull. You see the sign stood up; it uh, clearly states it. And I saw a little uh, sign that I was talking about uh, the skull shining was 25 cents, and then a bunch of words came after, like a contract, and it's just like, oh shit! If you can't make a payment in 24 hours, uh, I gotta give up the skull. And I was just like, but, uh, I, I need my skull, you know? I, I got a head, my brain's in it, and my eyeballs, I use the, like, my jaw, um, I use it to eat food and stuff, and to think. And he's just like, well, I gotta get those other, uh, seven cents or whatever. Or otherwise, I'm gonna send someone after you to get that skull. train station, uh, asking around for loose change. No one had any loose change because of the pandemic and, you know, coins were full of germs or whatever. I kept scouting the ground. Uh, I opened up some sewer grates. Really digging in the filth and sewage, looking for coins. I tried to take a dollar to, you know, I tried to break some change. But no one had any change to break, you know. Even the skull shiner already went to the bank that day, so he couldn't give me change. I was just like, fuck, alright. The sun was setting. all night looking for change. Eventually I decided to go back to my apartment and look for change there. Look through the couch cushions uh, behind uh, cabinets and furniture. But nothing. Eventually I get so exhausted that I just fall asleep. got my skull shining. I open my eyes and I look at the window. And I'm still groggy and it just looks like this big demonic figure. Pointy ears and beady glowing eyes staring me down. And he has a cape for some reason. And he just says to me in a very soft growl, Go back to sleep if you want it to be easier. 
I nod lightly and then I close my eyes and then go back to sleep. And then I wake up again and something, something feels wrong. I can't feel or move my head for some reason. I'm in my bed, I can feel my body and I can still look around. It's like my eyeballs were just like flat on the surface of the bed. my phone and I look at myself through the re reflection of the phone screen and my skulls my skulls missing I still got my jaw sticking out my eyeballs are still there looking at the phone except I can't look around manually I have to use my fingers to divert my eyeballs in different places service for a low cost. And on the back of the card, there was a little note that uh, was written, Sarah, we had to do what we had to do. And I thought about the absurdity of me still being alive, even though my skull was missing, my scalp was flat, my little eyeballs were sticking out of my head. And I just thought, must really must be hell this next story is called all that glitters can be gold this is the city in hell episode that's for sure This vision of hell was a gargantuan city where anyone who tries to make it never can. Nobody tells you that you're in hell when you arrive. You usually have to find out the hard way, and then when your life doesn't end, you think, oh shit, I'm in hell. a sucker named Joe who uh, lived across the street. He found out by doing a skull shining that he couldn't afford. And he couldn't find a single quarter in hell. Because that's the nature of hell. Day late, dollar short, etc. But Benny liked to think he was a little bit wiser. He was just like, alright, I'm in hell. I'm not gonna fuck myself over. I was probably full of people who really want money. And then hell operates to circumvent that in any way possible. 
So I'm going to play it smart. I'm going to play it humble. Just live my life like any other day. there was crime and there were prisons in jail Jimmy got into the habit of tagging just doing little things uh, little symbols and a little bit of graffiti here and there no, no uh, gargantuan projects or anything like that like to do things on the brick walls uh, so people riding the train have something to look at when they're riding by. You'd go to uh, abandoned derelict warehouses and ranches and banks. So far he hasn't got caught. We have a fair amount of demons around, a fair amount of cops with dogs. His trick was he never, uh, never went for it too much. Just, that was a fatal flaw with people who would, uh, get arrested in hell. They'd always go for a little bit more than he'd really need. But Jimmy always cut it short. He only did, br only did brief symbols, and then disappear into the night. Agree that did it. There's always a turning point. There's always another shoe that would drop. As long as he just laid low and, and stayed humble, then hell wouldn't get the best of him. different spray paints of different colors. But one night he was trying to get a little bit experimental. And he got some gold spray paint. He thought it looked pretty sleek. Looked really good looked really good on concrete and brick. And he'd integrate into silvers and black blacks and whatever shades he had purples, and it'd really make it pop. One night after a tag, uh, he had time to kill. Didn't have anywhere to be at the moment. His hands were idle, so he just decided to spray paint his shoes. He used the gold paint and Spray them real quick. Just one coat, nothing special. And then as the paint dried, he just kept walking, leaving a trail of gold footprints behind him. Again, a little bit hungry, and we go for a late dinner. So we went to a nearby Crown Chicken and 
Just already eat there. Got a nice sandwich. Set a table with his shoes. saw shoes. He's just like, oh dude, are those shoes made of gold? And he was just, uh, Jimmy was just like, what? Uh, no, 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 they're, no, they're not gold. I just painted them real quick. And then the stranger was like, oh dude, those are gold shoes. Oh, fuck, that's so cool. How much do you want for them? And then Jimmy was just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not selling them. It's cool. It's cool. Five hundred bucks for them. And then Jimmy was just like, five hundred bucks for both these shoes? And it's just like, no, no, one shoe each. Jimmy thought about it. Thought about his principles of greed and hell, and how not to give into it. But if the guy was offering, uh, you know, five hundred bucks, five hundred bucks a pop for a shoe spray painted in gold, he was just like, yeah, sure. given the, uh, 1,000k in cash. Took some paper bags and put them over his feet and then walked back home, slipped on another pair of shoes and lined his bed and was just counting his 1k and just like, ah, oh, 1,000 bucks for just two shoes spray-painted gold. then Jimmy started to think about it. And he was just like, huh, oh, I wonder what else I could spray paint gold. So I bought ten spare, ten, uh, ten cans of spray paint, gold spray paint. And then just started to spray paint uh, random shit. Got multiple pa pairs of uh, old yeast shoes and spray painted them. Spray painted some tools that he had lying around. Little Pokemon statues that he collected. Then he set up an Etsy account and just started to sell them. up so Etsy had a bidding service uh, so people can offer more than what he uh, priced it at. And then the bids kept, kept coming. People were willing to pay hundreds to thousands of dollars for this random gold stuff. Eventually Jimmy had enough money to start up a storefront. shoes used to be. And he just called it random gold shit. The walls were gold, the floor was gold, cash register, uniforms were gold.
in throughout the neighborhood, throughout the city. Still, he thought about his greed principles in hell. You know, if you get too greedy, there will always be a tipping point. And Jimmy knew this. He knew people who were fucked over by hell. And he had a gut feeling inside that he should just call it now, you know end the gold enterprise and just accept the monies that he'd had. It's like a casino principle, you know. Once you make double when you come in with, that's a good stopping point. But, uh, Jimmy, despite his better judgment, kept the wheel rolling. People kept coming and buying the random gold shit. And the business stays going for about six months, which surprises him. He thought, well, if this was going to blow up in my face, it happened by now. of uh, six months in a day, it does blow up in his face. Two police officers come in and arrest him on the spot. Apparently it's illegal to sell things that are gold, uh, that are fake gold and calling them gold. Some weird made-up law saying, oh, it fucks with the gold industry or whatever. It's uh, the all that glitters isn't gold claws. He was tried and he was sentenced. Jail and prison was much scarier in hell than on earth. Sludgier, colder, darker. deserve to be there. But Jimmy knew he played the game for too long, and he felt asinine for going against his own principles. So when the sentencing came, uh, the way hell passes out sentences, they don't use time as a punishment something mortals on earth do because uh, their time is finite but everyone in hell has all the time in the world so they can't use that as a metric for misery however the judicial system in hell believes that the punishment should fit the crime that Jimmy should be spray-painted gold and then be sold to the highest bidder. 
they didn't use spray paint. They used literal gold to encase them in. It was hot and burning. A process that would have killed any mortal, but Jimmy lived on to experience it. Eventually, him and Case and Gold was sold to someone who owned a lot of those Gold for Less stores and sold a bunch of jewelry and gold. So we decided to uh, cut up Jimmy into little pieces and sell him as jewelry to different stores all across hell. cut up into little pieces and made into jewelry, or gold jewelry. And it was hard to say if Jimmy had any sentience left, being split off and distributed into different pieces of gold. And some of the people who crafted the jewelry said that they were still little flesh bits in each piece of gold jewelry that was distributed. And all the jewelry was called the Jimmy Collection, and that was the last of his legacy in hell. This next story is called Free Teeth with a little picture of a tooth on it. So that's uh, nice and quaint. Presumably the person speaking doesn't have their front teeth. was a cop on earth and then therefore a cop in hell it was his duty to protect the status quo of uh, hell and if there was anyone if there was anyone uh charged to bust people uh, for breaking the weird fucking laws in hell. It was Reynolds' job to bust them. And it goes without saying that uh, a lot of people in hell didn't like being in hell. Being in this giant gargantuan uh, metropolis masquerades as a mortal city. 
everyone has to abide by uh, the city's laws, where they must face uh, the cruel and unusual uh, criminal justice system of hell. It's hard to say what was worse, to receive the maximum punishment that hell has to offer, or to live a life that's just moderately okay enough to endure. Oh, this little, uh, hell apartment is fine, uh, it's a bunch of little roaches eating my flesh every night. You know, it's cool, but if I get a, you know, get a nicer job, I can live into a bigger house with maybe some less roaches eating my flesh. That was the beauty of hell. It kept the dream alive. For people in the city. For people in prisons. never come true. Reynolds knew this. So he accepted his role as a piece of shit hell cop. And then worked by their command. So when he heard that there was an underground network of People using teeth as currency instead of money. It was his job to investigate and break it up. His job has more had more leeway as a detective rather than a patrol officer. I suppose it was a slightly better outcome. questions about where he was placed. He was just assigned a job and then pursued it thusly. He got lucky a couple times and busted up certain uh, teeth rings. Tooth currency. Called the organization Free Teeth. Like Free Teeth, but if you were missing your two front teeth and had to pronounce it as teeth. It was some wordplay that uh, Reynolds didn't appreciate. started the underground network of uh, teeth currency. Also worked as a dentist says, on Earth. I would break into people's houses and steal their teeth. But once the founders were arrested, uh, teeth racket in hell still lived on. many nights and many days slaving over where to find these find these teeth I 
and he busts that he did uh, a black market currency, uh, black market black market products. There'd be some special hell currency, sometimes uh, masquerading as American currency and other denominations. Really, whatever the person who went to hell projected it as. And also the team. And he's just like, fuck, it was team. Anyone who had teeth in their possession, he'd ask, you know, where'd you get this? Where'd you get this? And the perp would always look confused, because they didn't see it as contraband. They were just like, it's, it's just money. Manufacturing the teeth as money by extracting it from animals and people. superior officers. And then Reynolds was just like, Jones, what are you doing here? And then Jones was just like, what do you mean? I'm manufacturing currency. And Reynolds was just like, but it's illegal, though. And then Jones said, it's hell, man. Everything's illegal. So everyone was arrested except for Jones. He walked scot-free. Didn't know how to reconcile with it. Someone who decided to be a vessel and a tool for the status quo. And seeing one of his own break their laws. Something stirred inside him he didn't like. There was a need to rebel, but he didn't know against who. About a week later, he uh, went to work and he uh, went to Jones's office. Uh, he was sitting at his desk going through some papers. And Reynold uh, locked the door behind him. And Jones was like, Reynold, what are you doing? So Reynold took a chair and just... Uh, Beat him down over and over, beating him unconscious. And then promptly, Reynolds was arrested for rebelling against the police force in hell. For very obscure reasons. 
reason why Reynold uh, never rebelled against the police in hell, because he knew what the prison system was like in hell. You know, something he didn't want to go through, but something inside him just to, wanted to lash out. So he was given a sentence, uh, either a prison sentence or a bail set for 25 teeth. public defender and he was just like I didn't know when his teeth become an actual currency and the public defender was just like oh it's coming up you know it's on the it's on par with uh, Bitcoin and NFTs you know and the public defender handed him a set of pliers and he said oh, you're gonna need this pliers and then looked at the judge and looked at the court. So I walked up to the uh, court's podium, uh, the judge's podium, took the pliers and then ripped out one tooth at a time and then dropped them each on the wooden surface. The room was silent as they watched. One tooth, uh, each making a hollowed out wooden sound echoing throughout the room. And eventually 25 teeth were there in front of the judge. And then Reynolds stared at him with a vacant, toothless uh, grin. Just said, all right, you're free to go. So Reynold walked out of the courtroom, out of the building, not talking to anyone. He only had a couple teeth left in his mouth. He used that to get a, a shawarma wrap that a bit. And then across the street he uh, saw a sign that said free teeth. to the sign, and uh, Reynolds said, oh, you're giving away teeth in the way that he could communicate it. So Reynolds exchanged currency for some teeth. And then when he got back to his apartment, he spent the whole night trying to get the new teeth into his mouth. That was really weird. Yeah, there's a very dark thread going on tonight. Yeah, yeah. It's like the game of Pandemic again. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I think the, the beginning. I the first part, but damn. <laughs> yeah, it's just a just a hell cop, just uh, dealing with that. Yeah. He was a cop on Earth, therefore a cop in hell. Yeah, it sounds like it. 
right, I'm going to read one more. Because I like this hell concept, but I really want to do one that brings it all home, you know. Oh my. Alright. This last story is called, It's My Birthday. <laughs> Alright. In hell. Billy died tragically young. He was 18 uh, in a car accident. He was uh, in his Jeep doing a bunch of jumps in a bunch of uh, off of a bunch of dirt mounds in an abandoned monster truck stadium. He died the way he lived, doing a bunch of random fucked up shit. But when Billy woke up in hell, it was uh, he had the same attitude as anyone else, thinking that it was normal and seemed like regular life. Billy wasn't the brightest tool in the shed, but he was uh, certainly sharper than he let on, and realized pretty quickly that he was in literal hell. You could tell from the random demons walking around, uh, get a granny for work, the surplus of office jobs that were available. Yeah, Billy knew that he was in hell. And as he grew up, uh, in the United States, the uh, his vision of hell had that uh, American flavor of a East Coast metropolis or something, this gargantuan city, larger than three New Yorks. And even in this version of hell, they had a uh, they had seasons. They used a Gregorian calendar, and they kept their years up to date with uh, the years on Earth. the day came, August 16th, it was Billy's birthday, and he's just like, you know, I may be in hell, but I don't think it's too much to ask to have a nice birthday. Facebook and through text about coming to his, to his apartment to have a little get-together in hell. But the power went out. The battery on his laptop died. His phone battery was fried. So he's just like, alright, I guess I'm going to be alone on my birthday. So on the morning of his birthday, he woke up and he's just like, all right, 
It's my birthday. It may be hell, but goddammit, I'm gonna have a good day. So I walked out of his apartment building, and the first thing that happened was a car sped, di sped by, uh, drove through a puddle, and then it splashed all over him. It wasn't just water, it was also, like, oil water and, like, grease. A couple of dead ro roaches were, like, floating around in the puddle. And he was soaked in that liquid. He was just like, alright, doesn't matter. It's still my birthday. So I went to a diner that he, uh, grew accustomed to in hell. It was a shit diner, but all diners in hell were shit diners. Most people were pretending that they weren't shit diners, but Billy knew that they were shit diners. Um, this was his favorite shit diner. The least shittiest of all. So he went in and had a cup of coffee. He looked at the menu and there was one dish that said a birthday omelet. He was just like, oh. And he asked the waitress, uh, hey, you do this uh, birthday omelet. It's like a birthday thing. And she's just like, fuck, man, I don't know. Nobody has fucking birthdays anymore. This is hell. Nobody celebrates any joy. Or even any pleasure. It's just one menial grind to the next. And that's the way of hell. And Billy was just like, um... Okay, but I... Okay, I'm gonna have a birthday omelet. And she's like, alright, sure, fuck it. brings the order back to the chef. Billy could overhear a conversation between the chef and the waitress. And the chef is just like, oh, fuck, man, I feel really sick. I really shouldn't have come to work today. And then she said, yeah, well, if you didn't, you know, if you don't come to work, you're not going to be able to get paid, and then you're going to be out on the street. You don't want that, do you? Not in hell. And he's just like, no, no, I guess not. She's just like, alright, no. I got some Pepno-Bismol for you, but, you know, just hang in there, hang tough. So Billy's sitting there waiting, listening to the chef cook, enjoying the sounds of the spatula onto the stove. He can hear the chef all groan and complain, just like, oh god, my stomach, oh, fucking awful. Billy could hear very loudly. Billy looks over and sees that the chef is wiping his lips. And Billy's just like, oh, I must really be sick. The diner's not very crowded, but everyone kind of notices how sick the chef is. Some people walk out of the diner, not up for it. Other people realize that they have no agency in hell and just sit there and wait for their food anyway. So eventually ten, ten minutes go by and the waitress uh, drops off Billy's plate and she's just like, alright, it's a birthday special, alright. It was everything Billy dreamed of based on the menu. It's a really big omelet. 
had pieces of bacon and steak in it. Three types of melted cheese. Cheddar, uh, provolone, and gouda. Some cilantro in it, and lettuce. But there's also like this thick orange stuff, stuff in it. He thought it was like a fried sauce or something. He takes a whiff of it, and Billy's just like, oh my god. It's vomit. There's vomit in my omelet. A vomit, as it were. gets a waitress's attention. He's just like, hey, uh, the chef uh, vomited in my omelet. Um, can I get a new one or something? I don't mind if he makes it. Just, I don't want to vomit or bile in my uh, food. And she's just like, well, you know, it's a birthday in hell. You get what you paid for, really. Billy looks at the omelet and he looks very sad. He wants that omelet. He wants to have a good birthday. One thing that he learned that hell can't stop him from doing is having a positive outlook. So Billy's just like, you know what? Being in hell isn't going to stop me from enjoying an omelet on my birthday. So what he does is he starts to gobble it up one forkful at a time. Tastes fucking awful. Like stomach acid and too much salt. Ugh. He almost vomits himself, but he's just like, nope, I'm fucking eating it. Hell can't stop me from having a good time. Oh His hand's shaking. His stomach feels awful. He's sweating and he has a headache. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's done. He's eating the birthday omelet. So he pays and, uh, Leaves a big tip, and then walks off. Then goes to a nearby trash can, and then just vomits it all up again. Cause that was fucking gross. And his stomach's quivering, and his hands are shaking, and he uh, takes his hands off the rim of the trash can. He's just like, alright, what's next to do on my birthday? So he goes to the park and goes for a walk. dogs running around with frisbee. See some demons around. Seem like they were having a good time. Torturing a bunch of sinners or whatever. And then Billy notices that he had some vomit on his shirt. They didn't quite wipe off. And all these dogs see him and they just go bark bark. Keep barking at him. Billy's just like, oh, hello, dogs. They start to viciously bark, you know, arf, arf. And just like, Billy's just like, oh, shit. And then one dog comes up to him and starts looking at him and then starts biting at his shirt. And he's just like, oh, you, do, you want the, do you want the vomit? Another dog starts to bark at him, too. They start to follow him and they jump up on him. Eventually, they start biting him really hard. At his clothes and at his flesh. Billy's just like, oh shit. So he starts to dash through the park, being chased by all these random dogs. 
eventually Billy gets up and climbs a tree. Now the dogs are waiting there, barking, trying to get up the trunk. And then Billy looks up and looks up at the sun, and he's just like, oh, hell's really beautiful this time of year. The dogs are, the dogs are persistent for like the next three hours. Billy's still up, still up on that tree, enjoying the view, enjoying not being mauled by a bunch of random dogs. Eventually the dogs give up and go off and do other shit. And Billy's just like, oh, finally have some peace. And the tree branch breaks and Billy falls and hits the ground. He lands on his arm and he, it seems like he breaks it. He's just like, well, I guess I'm not using that arm today. So he throws away his shirt with uh, the bombing on it. And he's just walking through the city with a broken arm. And he's just like, alright. So next on on my uh, birthday in hell is for some, for some cake. I could really go for some cake. So he goes to a bakery, and he's just like, yeah, can I have like a little... Uh, birthday cake kind of thing. And the baker's just like, yeah, sure. It's gonna... It's gonna cost us some money, though. And Billy's just like, oh, I don't have any money. Um, oh, um, do you have a set of pliers? And the baker's just all like, oh, yes, we do. Billy hands Billy the pliers. And Billy takes, a, uh, rips out three of his teeth and leaves, a, leaves them uh, bloody on the counter. And the baker's just like, all right, great. Well, uh, this is plenty. Do you want like a big cake or a little cake? This is a uh, three teeth. Uh, you can pretty much buy any one of anything in the store. And then Billy's just like, no, I'm gonna celebrate it by myself this year. I think I just want like a little cake, a little circular cake that says "Happy Birthday, Billy" and enough space for you know, like a couple candles. And the baker's like, yeah, sure. It'll just be an hour. Billy's just like, alright, I'll wait here. So Billy sits, uh, in the lobby waiting, in agonizing pain from his broken arm, and his missing teeth, and being attacked by a bunch of random dogs, still feeling sick from the omelet. Still enjoying himself, trying to get a positive outlook in hell. comes out with the cake, and he says, like, all right, I got the cake here. Billy looks at the cake. It's just a simple cake, a small cake that's a circular. It just says, happy birthday, Billy, on it. With a couple of candles on it. And the baker even tossed in a lighter because he appreciated uh, Billy's pursuit for a good birthday in hell. arrives back uh, to his apartment after a long walk. His mouth bloody, arm in agony. He sits alone uh, in his dim apartment. The sun is set. It's already late in the day. So he lights a couple candles and, and he's just like, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. 
Happy birthday to me, Billy. Happy birthday to me. It was almost really depressing, but he was still trying to be in good spirits. So he blows out the candles, uh, makes a birthday wish. Pretty much his wishes. Uh, I wish I wasn't in hell. Um, but when he blows out the candles, uh, some of the flames uh, traject onto a nearby curtain. And then it gets set ablaze, get sets ablaze very quickly because it's super flammable. And then it starts to spread around his apartment. And then Billy's just like, oh my god, oh no. So he takes his one arm, he takes the cake, smudging it all over his chest, but he doesn't care. He runs out of his apartment that's already super set on fire. Runs out of the apartment building and across the street. Runs so fast that he trips over, and then drops the cake and it flips over. It lands face down and Billy falls on it. it up slowly, all mushed. The letters on the surface are illegible. It's just a big mash of icing and cake with a bunch of random soot that was left from the gargantuan city of hell. So he sits alone on the sidewalk with his mushed cake mess next to him. Almost feeling discouraged. And they see some fire trucks uh, put up the uh, put out the fire in the apartment building. And the fireman comes up to him and he's just like, "Hey, you uh, you guy lived in that apartment?" And Billy said, "Yeah, that's me." And the fireman just said, "Well, you know, we saved the building. Uh, everyone else's apartments were intact. We pretty much saved everyone uh, except your apartment. Uh, everything's destroyed, all gone. But you know, that's hell for you." Funny, you know, for hell, there aren't really a lot of fires down here, but, you know, this was a big one for sure. It's like hell's really after you or something. And Billy's just like, yeah, that sounds about right. So Billy's sitting alone on the curb, watching his uh, apartment building, uh, smoking. And then he looks at his mashed uh, birthday cake mess. And he takes his finger and he has some of the icing. He's just like, hmm, it's actually pretty good. Takes some more of his fingers and starts eating more pieces of the cake. The cake inside and the icing on top. He's just like, oh yeah, that's some really fucking good cake. So he keeps eating it. He's just like, oh my god, this is like the best cake I've ever had in hell. Jesus Christ. So he eats it up and has almost all the slop that's available. Face down and mushed. fire department leave the tri fire truck goes so he goes back into his apartment and everything's pretty much fire damaged barely hospitable there's one space on the floor that hasn't been uh, scorched by flames so he cozies up on the carpet and just thinks about his day and his the rest of the eternity he has to spend in hell and he's just like you know for a day in hell this is a pretty good day.
pretty good how birthday. It sure was. Yeah. Well, that was Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. And good night. Watch me do a virtual comedy set. You can tune into Kickstand Comedy Club's Twitch stream on Wednesday, May 5th, 7 p.m. PST. And I'll be exhibiting some comics at the virtual Toronto Comics and Arts Festival from May 8th to May 15th. So check that out too. A big two weeks, that's for sure.